I feel like I'm really trying to work on like a conscious uncoupling of who I am, who I show up as on social media and like who I authentically am. And I feel like it's so hard, like you said, like when you show up and it's like something does poorly and you're just like, oh, I just want to hide. Yes. But it's like, who cares? Like life isn't about validation as much as social social media is. Yes. It's like we have to find that inner peace of being like, this is who I am. I'm okay with it. It doesn't matter if people like it or if they don't. Like, I'm going to try and show up and be true to myself. Welcome to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Lee, and I'll be sharing industry knowledge and social media tips through weekly interviews with established creators and Q&A sessions. Our goal is to help you decode social media, become a full-time influencer, and do what you love for a living. Let's dive in. Today's episode is very special because we are in a formal podcast recording studio in Los Angeles. And of course, we have a special guest and I'll have her introduce herself very soon. But our goal is to eventually put this podcast in video form onto YouTube. And so that's why I am making a conscious effort to start filming more and hopefully do more in-person interviews. So let's welcome our guest today, Grace. She is Grace from The Grace Matei. Is that how you say it? Yes, Matei. Most people get it wrong. They say Matei. Yes. Got it. And so first, usually I start off with just asking you to tell us what you do, maybe what your focus is on and what platforms you're on. I'm on Instagram predominantly, but I know that the world is moving towards TikTok. (laughs) I got to get on that. I am on TikTok. Um, I kind of got on there during the pandemic and then kind of forgot about it. So (laughs) Me too. too. You're not alone. It's on the list, you know. Yeah. And then platform-wise, in terms of, like, topic, I'd say primarily kind of, like, fashion, lifestyle. Yes. um, Seem to be hopefully more home stuff. Some travel maybe in the future, you know. We'll see when that picks back up. What I love about Grace's page is your creativity, especially with your environment around you. I feel like you you find some very beautiful, like, color-coordinated places in LA. Like, those places you wouldn't think to stop there to shoot, um, a sh- like, a photo for Instagram, but then she will make it look very cool. <laughs> so you have to check out her handle. Thank you. Um, yes. So I guess we should start by kind of backtracking and just talk about how you got started. How long ago was that, and why did you decide to start? Well, if I want to go way back, I mean... When it was like 2013, I was like wanted to start a blog. That was back when I lived in Phoenix and I did and it was terrible. I hope no one ever saw it. Fortunately, I don't think most people did. Kind of gave up. It was hard because I worked full time at the time. And then a few years later, I was a graphic designer. I just kind of had a a string of really unfortunate jobs where I wasn't Mm. treated well. And the last one that I had, again, I was a graphic designer. It was at a clothing company. And... They just closed up shop one day without any warning, any notice. And I was like, that's my final straw. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be doing the work anyway. I felt so burnt out and just kind of jaded by it all. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, I just needed to channel my creativity into something else. And so I was like, I'm going to go for it. I just like really wanted to have an Instagram following. (laughs) Yeah. And so I freelanced a little bit and I really kind of focused all of my other energy on taking photos and exploring that space. And it it did take a while, but I remember the first time I was offered to get paid for something, I was like, I couldn't even believe it. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. You know, my first paid post was $35. Wow. $35. (laughs) A whooping $35. Thank you, uh, Eva NYC, for that $35. (laughs) Let's chat again. And uh, yeah, just it's kind of snowballed since then and just you know I feel like we were kind of on Instagram in that golden age when you could really grow from photos and that was a good time now it's a different time where you can grow with reels and with videos so we can we can talk about that in a bit too so did you say it was 2015 that you kind of properly started posting on Instagram probably when I really started and really like engaged 2018 2018 oh okay so, yeah. yeah, actually pretty recent. And then when was that first paid gig for you? Probably in 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see. 
Wow. I'm trying to remember because I remember my last trip before COVID was Italy. And I remember I went on that trip and I came back and I signed with an agency. Mm. And I feel like things really kind of picked up for me then. I remember having around like 18,000 followers. Yeah. And I just remember that was like a point of like really big growth for me. So wow. 2019 is probably when things really picked up. Yeah. For some reason, I thought that you had been around for longer and that you were already, you know, had more followers before then. But um, uh, I guess I kind of noticed your page more recently where it felt like your content was already very established and you had already had a very specific style. Was that always the case when you kind of got serious in 2018 or did you have to take time to figure that out? So it's funny you say that because I feel like now I've been a little um, more sparse on the app because I've just been like working on things and I'm just yeah. kind of I'm like, I'll get back to it. I, I just got to focus on some other stuff at the moment. But when I started, I feel like I did fall into like a really clear, definitive like type of content. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was also like the Tezza era. You know what yes, I mean? Yes. Like, not that she's not still like, love her. Yes, she's amazing. Yes. She, everything she does, you know, but that was like when she was just blowing up. Yes. And everybody was like Tezza, like the iconic, just creative mastermind. Yeah. And so I feel like that was kind of what I was always trying to like go after. Just that unexpected photo, that yes, different yes. angle, that unique edit. You know what I mean? Um, I got very heavy into like incorporating design with my photos. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was um, really popular at the time, too. Yeah. But since then, I, I mean, it's shifted a lot, you know, so it's been interesting to kind of find like a creative point of view as things change, you know, remaining true to yourself, but not becoming irrelevant. Yes, yes. So then in the beginning stages, was it just through getting on the explore page that helped you grow a lot with a unique style? Yeah, I mean, like, it's crazy. You look back at those stats. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, I want to cry. <laughs> ah, <laughs> you're not like, alone. Like 100,000 reach, like no problem. Yeah, like it yeah. was nothing. Yeah. And yeah, just like explore page. Just yeah. they would just throw you on there, yeah. you know. Now it's a very different um, game that that we play. Um, the Reels Explore is really where it's at yeah. now. You've, you've totally mastered that. I mean. Uh, sometimes I'm still experimenting. Yeah. But um, I feel like there's a fine balance between like quality, but also quantity, quantity that yeah. ultimately gets you growth. It can't just be quality. If you only create one quality reel and it's only once every week. It's you still won't see much results, unfortunately. Yeah, which is difficult because especially for people that aren't doing it full time. I mean, and some people, they find yeah. the time yeah. um, to not only execute, but to come up with ideas. I mean, like, I feel like that is the biggest part of the process. It's yeah. just like thinking through things and like just always having your eyes out when you're driving, like noticing yeah, a place, yeah. putting together something in your head or, you know, it's it's hard because I feel like it's so much become just about copying and I'm fine to recreate. Yeah. But like, I just feel like, like I hate a trending sound. Yeah, like, yeah. Can I just say yeah. I hate a trending sound? Oh, let's talk about that. I love that you brought this up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, like I just went to a concert the other day and I went and saw Third Eye Blind and, you know, my 90s self just died inside and it's like, I'm all stoked on that now. And I'm like, I want to I want to make content with this. But I'm like, yeah, I feel like I have to do what everyone else is doing or, or it won't get seen, you know, yeah. like, but then you think about the people that start the trends, you know, they start with what they want to start with. You bring up a great point because I have been feeling this way lately as well. Originally, um, I wanted to maybe come out with a way for people to every week stay updated to current trends. I ultimately scrapped that project. I was thinking of a subscription because I I couldn't, from the bottom of my heart, recommend this. Yeah. I couldn't tell people like, this is how you actually go viral and get quality audiences. Yeah. And so I just don't feel comfortable saying like, here's how you save 20 hours a week by this yeah. list I'm going to send you. And because ultimately we know that these trending sounds will only get you a bit extra reach, but it's still up to the content itself. Whether yeah. you have made it new or different or unique to yourself, that will make the make the difference with whether it blows up or whether it converts to follows. And a problem I'm seeing is people are just kind of straight up copying. 
There's yeah. no change. There's no adapting to yourself, and it just becomes copying. So that's one thing that definitely I think creators should avoid when doing trending stuff. But otherwise, I think trending stuff could be great. Well, and it's tough too. I mean, I don't ju- like I've done it, and like I can say, like you know, I've said I've like I've been a little sparse on the platform lately, and like to jump back in, I feel like it'll be easy. Like sure, like let me just do a couple like quick easy things that I've seen done. You know what I mean? If I don't have the time to really sit yeah. down. Yeah. Um, but it is kind of sad that it kind of forces us to like strip ourselves of like what makes us unique in mm-hmm. order to just like it's this rat race to grow. And it's like, but why does that matter if we're losing sight of what we originally got on there to do? Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And like you said, like this is, you know, you don't feel comfortable to say like this is how you can save time and this is how you can get quality followers. It's a crapshoot. I mean, like who they push it out to, you ain't got no control over that. Like, let me yeah. just look at the camera and say, you have no control. You know, I don't know if it's like specific to the hashtags or the sound or if you don't use hashtags. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. at the end of the day, you can only do what you can do. I can speak to that a little bit because I've, I've created hundreds of reels and some of them go viral in a good way and some of them don't. And what yeah. I've <laughs> noticed make the biggest difference where it goes viral in a good way is when it's more specific to, uh, let's say, my niche, which is ideally like I want to attract a female audience, ideally U.S. based because that's where I'm based. So uh, if my content is purely focused on that, let's say it's a creative transition um, with different outfits that fit my brand perfectly and when that gets millions of views I notice all the followers are the right kind of followers that my target audience however when it's like a like a reel I don't care about and then it's just something filler and quick that I made let's say in Paris and it was like ding and then the Eiffel Tower oh my gosh changes. that went so viral I could it went so it. viral and because there's no language attached to that it was like five or six seconds long. And also it doesn't particularly provide any interesting value or make people really get invested in your content. So instead it attracted people who weren't very sticky and they were kind of all over the place. Um, so that was the biggest difference that I noticed when I'm doing things that are um, easy in the moment or just not very uh it can be done by anybody and yeah. isn't something that is super unique to myself. That's unfortunate, though, because I loved that. You know what I mean? Like, I love, like, just, like, a clean, yeah, right to the point, you know, it's entertainment. You yeah. know, you're, like, it's it's a wow factor. I've seen it go both ways, really. Sometimes it can do wonders for people. Uh, for me, it for, like, 80, 90% of my reels, it does wonders. And then that 10% reaches the wrong audience but i think still if we can continue to put out consistent content that is true to your style then it still works fine yeah and i think that is the name of the game is consistency and that's something i'm kind of struggling with you know time management wise right now um that's i'm seriously i'm amazed by you like i don't (laughs) i genuinely i'm like is she 14 people all at once like i don't know how she does it and i think that that's just like that's a good thing lesson to learn and to embody in general it's like i feel like so many people they chase virality and like instant success like oh you know like that tiktok that itch that i just want to scratch and i just want everyone to see it but it's like there's a responsibility that comes after that yeah you know what i mean like it feels good in that moment but then you know there's a pressure to can you keep up reels are great for that reason but i do miss photos for the reason of steady and consistent Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i feel like that was a way that you could not be like you're always chasing the carrot you know yeah this this is really i think a pivotal time that instagram is going through if they can push through this period of like sort of searching for their future identity yeah then they can potentially really come out on top um but i i i also find it very uh how do i what's the best word <laughs> sad is not really the right word but i just think it's a little bit sad that photos are no longer uh, as big of a focus but in a way it has made my life a lot easier because then I can do things at home because video with video you can express a lot more you can use different editing methods you can do different transitions as long as the concept is there I don't have to travel like yeah very far for you yeah or like go at 6 a.m to get sunrise Mm -hmm. in order for something to perform well it's quite the opposite it's better if I don't 
go that far for a photo. And instead, just think of five very good ideas, unique ideas, or different transitions at home. And um, usually one of them uh, does pretty well. And then it takes, it gains momentum and then pulls up all the other performances. Yeah. So I do think it's a sad change. But I guess as creators, it's something that we have to embrace and move forward. Yeah, with. it's part of the job is just um, being able to adapt, you know, yeah. as old and curmudgeoning as we may get and be like the good old days. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You know, if you if you want to remain like you have to you have to adapt. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm curious, how, how old are you, if you don't mind sharing? I just turned 32. Okay. Oh, okay. I thought you were much younger. <laughs> I know. I feel like most people think that, and I'm okay with them thinking it. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, Botox. I am turning 35 this year, so you're... You look great. Like, honestly, I you look better than me, so... <laughs> I, I literally need to go find a Botox place in LA. Should oh, I be I'll, cutting this out? <laughs> I'll give you my place. Nine, oh, yes, Nine dollars a unit, everyone. <laughs> Okay. That's okay. A, it's good. Yeah. And I am yeah. going. She's fist pumping. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um. So you feel like because we are, you know, very millennial people, and so currently another change, not just the Instagram algorithm and platform change, another shift is like an entire cultural shift yeah. where everything is Gen Z, not just Instagram. Like TikTok is all about Gen Z. YouTube is trying to cater to Gen Z, and all the marketers and everything is all about what the Gen Zs want. Totally understandable. Of course, they're starting to get jobs now. They Mm -hmm. have buying power. And they are the ones setting future trends. So it's important to kind of understand what they want and how we fit into this picture. So I understand why, especially for people like us, it feels like, how do we adapt to this? And how can we um, stay relevant? I guess I don't like the word stay relevant because it seems like, oh my God, if you don't, do exactly what these other people do you will no longer be relevant i don't think it's that bad it's just like how do we stay on top of our game i guess sure well yeah because like i mean you're right they have buying power now and that is kind of the way that things go it's the newest generation it's like they want to capture their attention yeah um for that reason and and it's an interesting shift just even in life to when you are the person that's being catered to and then when you kind of shift a little bit (laughs) And you're like, am I, do I matter? Um, exactly. <laughs> you matter, whoever's listening. But yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, you're dealing with a, a whole new wave of creators now yes. um, that have come up in a different way via TikTok. And yes. so, um, you know, video has been their priority, you know, yeah. like, whereas with us, it was very like, y- you understand more than anyone. Gosh, travel bloggers, like the just beautiful, yeah. the curated, perfect image. And Gen Z is like... Ew, I don't here's, like that. Here's my ramen noodles. You know? <laughs> here's a blurry shot of me up front, or just, like just an eyeball. Right. And then I'm going to post this and it's going to do well. Right. And I mean, like, you know what? I kind of hate the word vibe, but I vibe with both. Like, yeah. I, I can see the value in the grunge and in the quick and in the dirty and the messy and cool. And I can see the, the value in the curated and the thought out, you know? Yeah. Um. But yeah, coming up against a whole new wave of creators and and still being able to carve out your space and not just feel like forced into this box of being like, oh, I have to be Gen Z. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or yeah. like, I have to wear mom jeans and 2000s uh, accessories that I have to dig oh out gosh. from my middle school days. And some of that stuff I love. But you know, I will say on TikTok, any beauty trend, I'm just like, I don't know what it is about my face. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> I'm like, don't laminate my eyebrows. It doesn't look good. Like, That's hilarious. Don't, yeah. I don't know. I also tried the fox eye look. In fact, Alicia, who helps me do my makeup when we're on <laughs> trips, she does this. We tried this. You know how it's very trendy where you do like a fox eye and, and then you do this little thing. Yeah. Fine. I looked so weird. It was the weirdest makeup on me. And I was like, ah, I look like an alien. And so we had to wipe it all off and start from scratch. See, I actually really like that. But I don't know how. I feel like I'm always rubbing my eyes. Yeah. Like, how are they not just rubbing it? Like, in in the corner of your eye. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah. This is starting to turn into a millennial rant of Gen Z. So, <laughs> No, we love Gen Z. We love Gen Z. We yeah. just, we, um, you know, the pressure to, to yeah stay on top it's like it's okay to just continue to do you and just find a way to do it in a way that remains 
relevant, you know, yes. for lack of better words. Yes, yes. I agree. So the way I decipher that is that we should still be doing things, talking about things that we enjoy, what, whatever style it is, but the format can can change a little bit. So from so shifting from more photo to video or from like DSLR photo to more iPhone photo, like that's just like a simple example of how you would shift the format, but not shift the content itself. Exactly. So you can still stay true to yourself, but you can just experiment a little bit more with how you package it. So you're not just changing your style just so you can stay up to date with whatever Gen Z likes, but then you are still delivering it in the way that many people who are active on social media would enjoy. Yeah. Gosh, the DSLR versus iPhone. <laughs> I struggle, man. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'll be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I struggle. Gosh, I took an iPhone photo at the concert the other day and I posted on my stories I was because like, I liked it. It was cute. I was like, does this belong in feed? And like almost everyone said yes. I was because I said it was an iPhone photo. Yeah. I was amazed. I was like, so how okay. did it perform? I haven't posted it yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, not a weekend poster. Yeah. I I just don't know if I have more than three iPhone photos on my face. Yeah. Um it's it's kind of a struggle between the people who follow me a longer time mm -hmm. long time ago and they expect a certain level of quality and editing versus the people who are very in the now style of social media and what they want which is just being more uh, authentic and casual and in the moment and so I still kind of struggle between the two but I think that's definitely something I'll experiment with more yeah. going forward yeah and I mean you know it's it's trite but like you can't please everyone yeah and it's that is that time when you just have to be like what feels right for me like I have to tune everybody out and think like do I want to do this do I like this photo like yeah and I mean I'm saying this like it's easy I struggle with this every day so I'm preaching to myself honestly yeah <laughs> wow I really love this is very an abnormal conversation from my usual chats because normally it's very much like so when was your turning point uh Oh, so what kind of reels do you, do, do, does well for you, you know? I, I like this honest talk about like, oh, I kind of hate this thing. And then I kind of feel like I need to keep up. Like, I, I'm sure there's a ton of people who can relate right now. Absolutely. It's like I'm an advocate for social media because it's what I do for a living. And at the same time, anyone talks to me, I'm like, throw your phone away. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. You are so right on that. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say, I feel like this is something actually I want to actively change going forward. I've always preached the beauty of social media and I 120% believe in it. However, that doesn't mean I don't see that there are downsides and things that maybe damage our mental health or just there's ups and downs that we have to power through to come out on the, on the other end. And I haven't really talked as much about like some of the things that really make me sad <laughs> yeah uh, or and the there's changes a lot of that, that we really have to adapt to and yeah. that I find challenging and I love that you're so so honest about it well it's funny because I I, I feel like this is as good a place as I need to do it I'm I feel like I'm very honest in real life but I feel like I do struggle to do it on my platform anymore mm. because um you know, I feel like anytime I post on my stories or post at all, it's like then I watch my number drop. Yeah. And it's like as much as I'm like, whatever, that doesn't matter. It's kind of in a uh, subconscious conditioning. Yes. You know what I mean? Of being like, don't show up. Yeah. Or don't be honest. Yeah. You know what I mean? Keep it light. And I, I feel like there's a time and a place for that. But I also feel like there's such a time and a place to just like be real. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Totally. That's our uh, next social media adventure, the yeah. Be Real app. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. We're really going there this episode. <laughs> Speaking about that drop in numbers, um, th this is me, but every single month I go through this crisis once or twice. And oh, oh hey. <laughs> that is Grace's um, dog with us in the studio. And he has been very good so far. This yeah. his first little woof. So <laughs> if cute. anybody's listening. Um, I I feel like that is a definitely a struggle that everyone goes through i think we we think that maybe it's just us but i i feel like we might be surprised how many people feel the same way it's just that they don't feel comfortable saying it or admitting it or just telling people in, uh like on their platform about it but i'm like you where like i will post and then oh it does really well and then the next day it does like not as well and then the next day it drops a half and then i'm like oh shit i i'm boring everybody 
Let yeah. me stop posting for like three days altogether. Yeah. And then it becomes even harder to come back on because you yeah. have that lingering fear oh of things dropping. This is me. And then you're like, oh, no, people don't find me interesting. I, I can't talk about this thing. But then what I've realized every time is that it will always come back. But you just have to be you when when you don't care about it, when you stop caring about it, it will come back. Yeah. Like, I just posted some stories of, like, me eating strawberry or, like, having an ugly face eating sushi. And, like, my views just went back up. And I was like, what is going on? So, like, when I share these beautiful outfits and transitions, you don't like to watch it. And then suddenly when I'm, like, mukbang, doing mukbang, you guys are, like, watching. Yeah, they're, like, like yum. Yeah. And so what I feel about stories is that it's not so predictable. Yeah. And I think as long as we sort of show up, as as much as we can while having a healthy balance then it will just continue to fluctuate this yeah. way and it's crazy because it's hard to remember that in the moment when you're yeah. in the valley even yeah. if you've gone back at the peak of the mountaintop a million times when yes. you're in the valley you're like yes. this is it I i'm think done <laughs> one more reason is because when you reach a new peak you set that as a new standard and think okay yeah. well now on i need to ideally keep reaching these numbers and so when you don't then that's also another uh, moment that hits you and sort of affects how you feel about it yeah so I feel like I'm really trying to work on like a conscious uncoupling of who I am who I show up as on social media and like who I authentically am and I feel like it's so hard like you said like when you show up and it's like something does poorly and you're just like oh I just want to hide yes but it's like, who cares? Like, life isn't about validation as much as social social media is. Yes. It's like we have to find that inner peace of being like, this is who I am. I'm okay with it. It doesn't matter if people like it or if they don't. Like, I'm going to try and show up and be true to myself, you yes. know? Because yeah. that's the only way to really gain an audience that also will continue to enjoy those moments that are true to yourself. Yeah. That's a very, very good reminder for everyone. <laughs> I want to backtrack a little bit and ask you about when you said you signed with your agency. Um, yes. You said that was when you had like 18,000 followers? I think maybe after my trip, I had 20,000. That, that seems very that. early on for an agency. I really have no idea. I mean, like I know people that are signed... Yeah, gosh, I guess around that time um, or even like sooner. I don't know. They they um, approached me and they were really interested. And I kind of said the same thing. I was very scared and very hesitant. I was yeah. just like, because I wasn't even really making money at that point, like a little bit. But I was just scared. All I heard was 20 percent, you know, yeah. of them taking yeah. that cut. And I, you just don't know what you don't know. Yeah. But it was a great experience. I mean. That I'm not with that particular agency anymore, but, um, man, I mean, they just, they got me to places I didn't know I could go, you know? Wow, yeah. So they brought in gigs for you. I feel like, well. <laughs> it's both? It was mostly my inbox. They mm. did bring me some things. But okay. I will say just what they just killed it at was negotiating. Mm -hmm. The last agent that I had, she was just a killer negotiator. I mean, yeah. one of, she brought me a couple things, you know, that they came through my inbox and then she would go and she'd talk to the people and then she'd come back and she'd present me with a final offer and there was a few times where I was like floored <laughs> wow. I was like what did you say yeah <laughs> and so even with the 20 percent, it was well well worth it oh absolutely I don't think that's the case for everyone I think you know I have some friends that they've never or they've had agents and they've left because they're killer negotiators for themselves right I'm not great at advocating for myself it's yeah. hard yeah I do feel like that's the thing that most creators have difficulty with negotiating for ourselves it's very difficult for us to be like this is the amazing work I've done and this is the number the monetary that, value of yeah it. yeah and in your head it's like you think it's very high but maybe to the brand it's not even that crazy but for your, you to say that it's very difficult yeah. mentally and i feel like even myself like every brand has different goals you know what i mean yeah. some people it's like the money they spend they want to make that back in sales some people they're exactly. just like brand awareness some people they just want to correlate themselves and align themselves with specific people or specific yes. kinds of people so it's like the goal is always different but I feel like I am – I must be like some old-fashioned farmer where I'm like, if I spend this money on advertising, yeah, like, yeah. I'd better get it back. Exactly. And I feel like I have to remember that, like, that's 
you know, that's not always the incentivizing goal for the brand. Me too. Me too. I'm right there with you. Um, sometimes when I'm able to negotiate something that's higher than what I've done ever before, I would even go to my husband and be like, gosh, I really don't understand. Like, how can these people pay me something like this? And then he'd be like, what do you mean? Like, do you have this brand that you have spent years building and you have a certain style? And to them, they have certain goals and certain advertising budget. Like, I bet you they're probably paying some other creator way more than yeah. you and you just yeah. don't know it. And I was like, okay, that makes me feel better. Well, and it also is too when it's like, I mean, you don't ever want to disappoint people. Like, yeah, exactly. You want to show up in your content. You want it to do well. Like, yeah, of course. Um, but especially if it's like a, if it's a larger thing, you're like, oh, yeah, it needs to do well. It's, there's a lot of pressure <laughs> in the performance. Yeah. Yeah. So like what you mentioned to kind of briefly sum it up for anybody listening is if you feel like it's hard to negotiate your worth, there are four things that you're actually charging a brand for. It can be conversion to sales, number one, and it could be brand awareness to generate general impressions for the brand. It could be brand association or alignment. So your brand is unique in a way. And so that company wants to align themselves with you. And then lastly, it could be for content creation. If your content is unique in a certain way or it's high quality or you have your specific style, then that's the another reason why brands could pay you uh, more than what you think they would pay and more than what you think they're going to get back in actual sales. So those are yeah. some very important things to keep in mind so that you can negotiate your worth. Yes. Are you an aspiring creator who wants to get paid to be yourself and do what you love? Well, I have a free training that will help you achieve exactly that. This training will cover the four steps to landing paid brand deals even if you don't have a ton of followers so you can start growing and monetizing your social media following. Save your spot today at SuccessfulInfluencer.com slash training or head to the link in the description. Also, usage and paid yes. advertising, you know, never, never let that usage go. Yes, totally. <laughs> yeah, that's a big mistake I made in the beginning. I was charged. I wasn't even charging for usage. And finally, when I understood that, that's when the prices sort of doubled. Right. Yeah. So I feel like that's where the real money can really be made. It's like, you know, a piece of content is only worth so much. Yes. Um, but it's what they want to do with it. You know, it's like if they want to throw you up on a billboard in Times Square. Yeah. Great. I do. Right. You got to pay for it. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So then from 2019, from there, it just kind of took off for you. Yeah. Were there particular years where you saw the most opportunities was that like 2020 or 2021 it's interesting because it's like opportunity like my growth hasn't aligned with opportunity at least not in terms of like my best years you know what i mean like my best year financially by far was last year i don't even know if i grew last year <laughs> yeah yeah so i feel like maybe part of that is just in like being established you know people yes. kind of like know who you are you've worked with them before you know you're on a pr roster and they're like oh hey yeah. like you know maybe grace would be good for this we worked with her 500 years yeah ago. yeah um but yeah i, I it was like, it was pretty steady growth i would say in terms yeah. of opportunity and and gosh we moved to la in the very very end of january of 2020 and right before the pandemic yeah good timing right um and you know my husband left a good job in phoenix mm -hmm. to move there and he didn't have one lined up and we were like you know he tried but you know we were not gonna let that stop the move we knew we'd figure it out and i was making money so it'd be okay and thankfully like i was able to carry us for quite a while but yeah. you know it, it was crazy because I, I was really not sure what to expect you know i knew yeah. a lot of brands were getting tight-fisted with funds because right. they were scared and and then it all came back with vengeance in 2021 <laughs> maybe that was it maybe that was it they were like we're ready like yeah we're throwing our masks off. yeah i've actually heard this sort of theory um not like theory but just people saying that 2021 was probably slightly an anomaly in the advertising mm. world just because people were still kind of stuck at home so impressions were higher however budgets rolled over from 2020 where they didn't get to finish using that budget and so they used it in 2021 um, and so many people saw some great results financially in 2021 and then that going forward it might equalize a little bit mm. so um, it does definitely fluctuate 
by the year. That's really interesting. I hadn't even really thought about that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, logically, that makes total sense. Yes. But even though I think one thing is like we as creators, as just people who freelance and currently have grown up in this like 2016 to 2021 era, um, I do think it's an era on its own. We seem to just seek growth. And we yeah. think that every year something has to grow, whether it's follower account or your money. But I think it for a little bit in 2020, when COVID first happened, we saw the first dip, although things came back very quickly. And I think now going forward with a potential recession um, is when we'll see some other things happen in the creator economy yeah. where people will really start to understand that it's going to look more like a fluctuating pattern versus just always going up which is what we expected before so we kind of have to um how do i say like reset our mindset or just understand that that such is business and that it's not always just linearly or exponentially oh, going up yeah i know <laughs> life lesson that i'm learning it's just you only have control over so much yeah. you know you can only control what you can control yeah and um yeah, to put that pressure on yourself to just like have a year over year growth. I mean, like I know like in businesses, that's always the goal, but that's just not always the reality. Like yeah. things outside of your circumstances happen and, and life happens. And yeah. sometimes it means you got to reset and change something up. And sometimes it means you just got to wait it out. And I think newer entrepreneurs like ourselves, like freelancers are just kind of learning this for the first time. So I really wanted to point that out to share with anybody who's listening that if your growth fluctuates, that is normal. If your income fluctuates, that is normal, yeah. which will kind of bring us into our next topic perfectly <laughs> about income diversification. <laughs> but I guess before we do, I kind of wanted to add something because um, I did a question poll like a couple months ago. And at that time, my growth I had gone really viral and then after that I hadn't produced consistently. So then it was just kind of like teetering slowly. And I didn't care because kind of like what you said, for, uh, opportunities for us doesn't come necessarily with growth. Right. It's more just being established enough in the industry. And, um, and so somebody actually put in the question box and said, how do you feel about like not growing? And I was like, that's a funny question. Really cool. Thanks for noticing. Like, uh, that's a funny question because I've been in this for so many years. I'm like, I don't care. Like, even if I never grow from here, it's not going to affect you my ability to get for brand You could the rest deals. of your life and be fine. Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> and so I thought that question was really interesting. Oh, and then someone left a comment on my full-time influencer page saying like, oh, how can you claim to teach people if like you're not growing every single month? And I'm like, is that how you define someone with knowledge in this industry? Yeah. Do you think that's really something that's even realistic in, in this trajectory? Like, I don't think that's a healthy mindset at all. And I don't think that's a healthy way to teach people to expect that they should be growing every single month. Right. And so well, and I wanted I, to throw that out there. Right. And I have just one thing to add on to that. Yeah. Um, my friend Everett, he kind of gave me a, a different perspective on things where um, you know, he's got a big account too, but I th I don't think... The Everett? Oh, the, the Everett. The fantastic creative Everett, Everett Williams. that I love. Love him. I love, love his him. work. Everybody look up Everett Williams. He is, he is so fantastic. Everett, we love you. Yeah, and I mean, like, he hasn't grown in a while, but it's like, the yeah. guy is working with yeah. Gucci. Yes. Like, Prada. Like, he is, like, he doesn't care. You know what I mean? Like, he's doing what he loves. Yeah. And what he said to me is he was like, He's like, followers are kind of irrelevant in a sense because mm. everybody can get them now. Mm -hmm. You know, before Reels, it was it was harder. Like, yes. it, it kind of meant more because it was more of a difficult thing to achieve. But now with, like, that instant virality that Reels and TikTok can bring, it doesn't really mean as much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because anybody can do it. And that's fine. But I think that that kind of brings it full circle and puts the emphasis back on the actual content that you're producing. Yeah, totally. Um, because anyone can have a million followers on TikTok, but how did you get there and what are you doing with it? Exactly. And I will say the biggest move, needle mover for brand deals is when those PR people 
love your work. Yeah. It doesn't matter if your engagement drops in half or even a third. They will still work with you. They will still rave about you and be like, I worked with this person. I absolutely loved either their work ethic or the quality or, or the creativity or whatever it is. And they will still want to work with you. Right. And that is why my agency signed me early is because they were like brands like your content. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it was rarely ever a question about engagement. It was always just like they like what you can produce for them. Yeah, definitely. So then on to our next topic <laughs> yes. about income diversification, which I do think is very important for yes. creators um, because like you mentioned, our income can fluctuate depending on the situation with like the world economy, etc. What are some things that you're currently doing? Because I know you have some exciting projects already set up and about to be set up. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about that? I feel like, like I had mentioned, like we moved here right before 2020 and the pandemic put my husband out of work for a long time because he's in film and the industry was like goodbye mm. <laughs> um and it really kind of taught us that valuable lesson of like gosh like being dependent on other people for you to survive is scary yeah um and also being self-sustaining is scary too yeah. you know it puts all the pressure on you um but it gives you a little more control i had a friend who probably last year she was like she was talking with me about my apartment. I had moved into a larger space and she was like, you should get on Peer Space. And if you don't know, Peer Space is like an Airbnb for uh, photo shoots. Yes. So you can rent places by the hour. Um, it's super common here in L.A. and, you know, other larger cities, but it's kind of everywhere. Yeah. And so it's funny. I I'm a slow mover when it comes to like putting my space together. So we moved in in March of 2021. And I I mean, it's still not done, you know, but I, I don't like to rush the process. I'm like, I have to find the right piece. So anyway, I bought a bunch of stuff. I finally started coming together some. And I think it was literally on New Year's Eve of 2021. I was like, I actually need to make a peer space listing because I need the tax write-offs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it has to happen this year. Interesting. So I did that. I threw it up. Nothing happened for months, and I kind of just was like, oh, that was a bust, like, whatever. Then in May, I got my first booking inquiry, and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was, like, so excited. It was probably for, yeah. like, a few hundred bucks. Yeah. I didn't care. Like, yeah. And it kind of started to build up since then. It's only been a couple months. Um, I had a good month in June. July was slow. It's kind of tapered down a little bit, but like you said, like it's just ups and flows. But I actually became a power host on Peer Space too, which wow. is cool. How do you get that? It's kind of like super host on Airbnb. Uh -huh. It's like you have to have a certain amount of bookings per month and you have to maintain like certain review level. It's funny because my husband and I joke, you know, we've always wanted to own property. I've wanted to personally own a home forever. Just I've all my friends have always owned homes when I lived in Phoenix and I'm just like here in my apartment. And I'm like, I can't paint the walls. Yeah. <laughs> But we got our first peer space booking. And then like literally that same month, we made an offer on a house <laughs> to do to make into an Airbnb. And we just yeah. kind of joke about this false sense of confidence of being like, we get one peer space booking. We're like, let's do an Airbnb. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Joshua Tree, by the way. <laughs> yes, in Joshua Tree. So those are the things I'm kind of, you know, dabbling with right now. Yeah. Um, I know it's going to be a lot to get the Airbnb off the ground. I'm going to, you know, do everything in my power to make sure that it's successful. But it is kind of my little pipe dream to own several properties and or I am really interested in owning a studio in yeah. L.A. Yeah. Um, you know, Pure Space has kind of piqued my interest in a sense of what's possible, you know, to make by the hour and also mm -hmm. just being in the industry like we are looking for spaces to rent exactly, we're yeah. looking for creative spaces to make new content in or just a blank canvas you know not yeah. everybody has a psych wall in their house yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly um this trip i actually booked so far four different studios there you go. Um, to shoot reels and photo content and everything in so definitely in demand with so many creators you know, making this a full-time job. They're going to need that space. Yeah. And on top of that, I, what I'm, I think most excited about is because I, like I had mentioned before, like, I feel like I've been a little like wishy-washy, you know, and the internet lately, I'm kind of like, oh, like, I'm not really sure how to show up, you know, 
I'm really excited to start working on the home and like posting about that transformation because Mm. I think it's the process of building another stream of income for yourself can be really interesting to other people. You know what I mean? And something that is a nice change of pace kind of takes the focus off of you. You know, it's less like, oh, like what transition can I do or what outfit should I wear? It's like, I'm wallpapering this wall. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. happening. So you can watch it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Although, as the reels person, I will <laughs> have to say, while you still can, while it hasn't been renovated, make sure you get a ton of footage of you just like clicking like this or you just standing in front of your blank wall yeah. and I don't know, throwing a paintbrush or, oh, or just idea. like some kind of like wipe or whatever so that you can use it. Just make like five to ten different variations and yeah. then you can piece it together later on because those are the ones that really go viral because it shows that you really thought about it before you even started renovating it and because we know the renovation process takes months or even a year and it's extra impressive that way so yeah I know when we first got in there well it's kind of hard I feel like I'm in this weird space where I did do some of that stuff, but we bought the home furnished, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's not empty. Damn. So it is kind of, I mean, like, that could be funny, too. I'm like, here's this ugly dining set. Yeah. You know, snap the fingers. Look, it's cool now. Um, but even that was content. You know, I just made a video about things that came with the house that we bought. And it's yeah, just kind of funny bachelor stuff, you know, yeah. 1970s Elton John pinball machine. If anyone's in the market. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to keep that as a curiosity piece? You know, everybody wants me to keep it. I think it's interesting. It is interesting, no doubt. There's two things about it, though. It's from the 70s. And it's, you know, people that come rent stuff, they're not going to treat things with care. That's true. How you will. So I just feel it's very inevitable that it will get broken and broken Mm. a lot. Mm -mm. But also... um, we really need to pay for air conditioning. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like... I see. We can get a pretty price for it. I'm like, here you go, guys. I mean, like, what's really going to make you stay in my Airbnb? The pinball machine? <laughs> or the air If you're sweating at 112 <laughs> degrees? Or the air conditioning? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Good point. We'll see how it pans out. Yeah. I really wanted to touch on this because I thought it was very interesting how you're diversifying into both Airbnb real estate and the studio and just to clarify your studio is actually part of your home right and you're able to separate certain rooms so you can manage it while the guests are shooting there yeah exactly and that's kind of why it's nice because you know we don't charge a ton it's a three-bedroom and so my husband and I we each have offices in the back and um it's just the setup of the apartment is kind of convenient in that way that we have a a living room and then we have a formal dining room but we don't use it as that we have a piano yeah. in there and we call it the parlor <laughs> and then it's the kitchen and a half bath and like a dining um nook and yeah we can shut it all off from the back and so it was just kind of nice because it's like there's nothing there's no better feeling than just being able to do what you would be doing anyway and know that like you're you could not be working and you're still making money yeah. doing it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a really good feeling. And yeah, with the Airbnb, I know it all kind of just like blew up immediately. We're just like, okay, I guess we're just doing it all. But yeah, I don't know. The opportunity presented itself and and we jumped on it. <laughs> Would you be comfortable sharing like roughly what range is possible with Pure Space for a studio like that? Oh, totally. I mean, like we only charge $49 an hour right now. Whoa, that's um, so cheap. It is. Um, but we know it's like the kitchen's not – I mean, the kitchen's fine. It's just a blank canvas. But, like, yeah. I want to make it really cute. And we want to be competitive uh, kind of just to build up reviews. Right. So I want to say there's two different ways that you can go on Pure Space. You can go a very unique, specific way and charge a lot per hour. Right. Or you can be a super just blank canvas, bare bones, and you're going to make your money in quantity. Mm-hmm. You know, the most successful um, things, you know, I get like a roundup every month from every or peer space. <laughs> and they're like hottest spots in L.A. And it's always like mm. these blank studios. I see. So Instead I'm, of the very expensive ones. Yeah. Because, mm. I mean, it's, I think there's it's a it's appealing to a greater audience. Right. There's a wider need for it. And I honestly it's crazy because, it, like I said, it's kind of my pipe dream. I'm like, oh, like, I think it'd be so fun to design such a unique space. And that would be really fulfilling and enjoyable. But at the same time, I'm like, 
Maybe I should just like buy a white box. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that would probably work too if it's versatile. Yeah, exactly. Like all sorts of people can use just a blank space with colored lighting or a backdrop. You yeah, know? yeah. So that covers your rent and more. Oh no, no, no. It's it's not at that place yet. Um, LA rent is expensive, yeah. but um, we almost covered it in June. Yeah, and like I said, it's like. We're trying not to set those expectations yet. Like, it's good to have goals. Um, but right now, we're just trying to see it as, like, anything that comes in is is a bonus. You yeah. know, like, it's um, it's helping out. But it doesn't necessarily – we don't need to be like, it has to cover this immediately, you right. know? Yeah. So, uh, on that topic, I kind of want to mention somebody else, Rachel Martino. Yes. Um, who is a friend, and she's a fantastic creator. But she also owns uh, these studios in Brooklyn. And at first, it was her own place that she was renting and staying at a loft, although she recently had to move out of there. I was um, curious how she did that. Would, would she just leave when people or was like, did she have like yes. a section? Off? So I have rented her studio before and she they would actually be there most of the time. And they would be in this little studio room um, where her oh, boyfriend works okay. and um, they would give us space depending on which space we rented. So right. there's an option to rent the whole thing, but then there's also an option to just do the studio, which is also really beautiful and has backdrop paper, etc. And it's cheaper that way. Yeah. So it depends on what you book. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she just built a second one that is already killing it. Literally. I've also been there. Yeah. And like even when we went there, like right before us, there was another booking of other yeah. people shooting and she's building her third. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So it must really be doing well. I mean. Yeah. And she has a unique style. It's very bold and um, just aesthetic, too, yeah. um, for content. So I can totally see how that does really well. Uh, what I've noticed is that it's a bit more saturated in L.A. for these kinds of spaces. There's yeah. a lot of options. But in New York, uh, there's really no options at all. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think she has a better chance definitely of, like, standing out. Mm -hmm. um, and plus, you know, having that following to be like, right. hey, I'm doing this, you know, right. like. I think that's helpful too. But I also think she's a bit of a marketing genius. What she did was when she was renovating her second studio, she put her studio Instagram to private. And she said, if you want to see the wallpaper reveal, you have to follow us. And I'm going to share it at this mm -hmm. time on my stories or in the feed. And then she will tease it. And then at first I... Because I already follow over a thousand people. I was like, I don't really want to follow another cat. Yeah. Like, I love Rachel, but I just didn't have to. Yeah, but it's like you only see so much yeah. in your feed. I get yeah. it. But then I was so curious. I was like, all right, I'll follow you. And also because I've shot at your places so yeah. many times. Like, I'm really curious. I want to know. And I'm sure I will shoot there in the future again. And so I, I think that's a genius tactic yeah. that maybe you could tap into. That is smart. That's yeah. the kind of thing that makes me nervous. You know, I'm like, uh -huh, but yeah, it I is know. smart. That's but like when those doesn't meme, hurt to try those meme accounts. Do you remember like yes. the huge meme? They would do the same yes. thing. And it they would make so it annoying. private. Yeah, yeah. Because I I don't follow any of these accounts, but me I know neither. you know two of them off the top of my head, and I'll yes. just go when I want to laugh. Exactly. Um. um yeah. yeah. So what I want the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because you're you're doing both and I think it's a very interesting way to diversify income for creators that is not directly about ourselves or like our personal brand per se right. it's not like oh let's diversify by creating a membership or by creating a physical product and sell it to our audience rather it's like let's use our social media skills and knowledge um, to put it into decorating a place making yeah. it uh, very good for content and then advertising that and also just knowing what to post to advertise it and attract other people. So I thought that was a very interesting like kind of overlap, but outside of our, what we normally think about when diversifying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because you hear about like the way to build wealth is as passive income, you yeah. know, because you've only got so much time in a day, which, again, I don't know how you do what you do. In a day. <laughs> Tina apparently has infinite hours in a day. <laughs> That's why I look like I'm about to die all the time. She looks beautiful. Yeah, but you only have so much time. Time is the one commodity that you just can't make yes, anymore. Yes. Of. And so figuring out ways to have things running in the background. And my friend Deanna and I, we call it a trickle. You know, I'm, I'll be like, oh, Deanna, like I... I want to do this, but like I need this. And she's like, she's like, it can just be a trickle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you have a lot of trickles, yes. then it can lead up to something. Exactly. Yes. 
Um, so I think it's about having patience too. I mean, I'm seriously new to the passive income game. Like, yes, um, me too. And I think it's it's a it's a total shift in mindset. You have to train yourself to be like, okay, how can I think kind of from an outward perspective? Yeah, and not just be like, oh, if I need to make more money, like. What job can I do? Yeah. What brand deal can I take? Like you think ten years later, how can I still make money from this? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually on the same lines as you.、Um, even though, you know, I think my digital business is, it's very good. But what I find is that the pressure is so much for me、uh, because my husband. Now you know he left his finance job, and we'll be fine if I don't even work another day. But I think there's this need for me to keep growing because I feel like as、yeah. a new entrepreneur to prove that I am good at what I do. I have to grow every single year by X percent, and if I don't, then I have somehow failed. That's not how、mm-hmm. businesses really work.、Um, but I think just to have something else that will make me feel less pressure—that is sort of the goal that I'm. Uh, headed towards with real estate ventures in the future, although I don't currently have anything set up. But I'm just looking at it and I'm、uh, learning about it and、yeah. hoping to make moves when the time is right. Like I have to say, like I feel a lot of pressure personally, and like I get really down on myself. Like I'm, I'm just like super hard on myself. You know, like crypto came out and then NFTs, and it's like yeah, and you're like I miss it. Yeah, and and just feeling like oh, like I, I have to know about this. Like yeah, this, I yeah, should yeah, be knowledgeable、yeah. about this, or I'm going to miss the wave. I think that's okay. I think you don't have to dip into everything, and I think that it's important to, of course, like if it's going to be passive, you're not necessarily always going to have to devote time to it, but you're going to have to devote time to it to start.、And、so I think it's important to look into areas that. Are interesting to you,、yeah. you know, palatable and not just like like I'm not a crypto bro. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I th- I'm just the same as you. Like I don't mind learning about crypto, but the whole NFTs thing came out and people were DMing me or emailing me like, hey, we represent this agency, like we can help turn your stuff into NFTs. And at first, I was like, okay, okay, these other creators are doing it, and like you know, Jacob. At Jacob, he he he's a male photographer, I think, from the UK with over a million followers, and he's one of the most successful,、um, like influencers、uh, turned NFT creator,、mm-hmm. and he has done a lot from NFTs. And so I was like, oh my god, maybe I should think about this. But then we forget that we only have so much brain power and time of、exactly. the day. You have to pick、exactly. your battles, right? And like、uh, my friend Deanna that I mentioned before, that. Her and her husband—they're some of my best friends from college. I love them, and and he is really good with that. He's just like it interests him. He absorb absorbs the knowledge quickly. Yeah, and so for him, that's a good thing. But it's like it's okay if for you it's not. You know, yeah, like yeah. there yeah. Are, are other things that could be good things for you. And I, yeah, I think you're exactly right. We only have so much brain power. Yeah,、we、only have so much time to、mm-hmm. research and invest. So.、Yes. There are twenty different ways to make money online or even offline, but you have to pick just a few that you really dive deep into, or else it really、right. won't help too much in the、right. long run. And you can't spread yourself too thin. Like it's you know start with one, and then like you know I had one peer space booking and then I bought、yeah. the Airbnb. Um, but that was just timing. Um, but yeah, it's like there are other things that I certainly want to look into in the future, but it's you know it's not a now thing. So、yes. later thing, one at a time. Yeah, there's also another thing that I thought about, like when I was looking into real estate, and my husband and I were looking at the the margins or how long it would take to set up and how much capital we would have to put in, and I was like, dude, like this kind of annual income from Airbnb, if I just go and do something else with my personal、yeah. brand, then I can make more than this. But then I'm thinking to myself, like that is not the point of、yeah. real estate. If you think short term money. You would only make short-term money,、yeah. and so if you really want to think longer term, more passive, it's not going to make you big bucks right away. But、right. you have to think about kind of what you said, like trickles and multiple trickles, and then、yeah. over time, you at least have the option to see, like, do I want to continue building this digital business with super high profit margin, or do I want to get more into real estate where profit margin is very low, but then it's stable. Right. It's it is long term because that is you know. No one can predict the market, but it's something that, over time, has proven to be a reliable source of 
um, what am I trying to say? It grows in interest. Yeah. It becomes more valuable over time. But I totally get what you're saying. It, it depends on what the immediate need is. You know, like we bought this house and I'm going to bring my friends back into it again. James and Deanna. Follow Deanna Dunn on Instagram. <laughs> she They uh, convert Sprinter vans and they do mm. a gorgeous, gorgeous job. Like talk about like, you know, Airbnb or Peer Space. They rent their stuff out on Outdoorsy, which mm. is just like that, but for vans. And so they build these vans and I mean, it is a specific skill set. Like, they're wonderful at what they do, but it has taken them time to get there. Of course. And then they rent the vans out. They make a good chunk of money, and then they sell them. And you know what I mean? Like, it's a really good way for them to, like, make a nice chunk of change. Yeah. And so, like, we bought this house. <laughs> And I'm like in the valley. I'm like, oh, no, like I just spent all this money. Like, how am I going to make it back? I'm like, we should have just done a van. But it's like, again, is that a good fit for me? Or like, what's my long term goal? Like, mm -hmm. is if my goal was to make money now, then, you know, I wouldn't have spent the money on the house. And so, yeah, just like remembering in the midst of that, like exactly like you said, like, that's not the point. Like, the point is to kind of build that wealth for the future yes that's yes. the hope exactly yes um we've covered so many topics today <laughs> and i think this is probably one of the most diverse conversations i've had on this podcast i think it helps that this is in person and that you're such an open and uh honest person so i really loved it and i want to thank you for your time yeah. and all of your sharing all of your experiences and all of that so yeah, this is really fun pleasure like having you yeah yeah <laughs> thank you so much for being here yeah thanks for having me thanks again for tuning in to the full-time influencer podcast if you enjoyed this episode share it with someone who could benefit from it and i'll see you in the next one